17 weeks, four quarters, 60 minutes, and it all leads up to one winning, winning drive. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Winning Drive Podcast. Of course, I am Rita Hubbard, the NFL chick, co-host of the Glenn and Rita Show on 105.7 The Fan. And, of course, with my guy Cordell Woodland from Shaking It Up Sports and the Ravens reporter for 105.7 The Fan. And, of course, we know that the Ravens won the game 25-9 to on Sunday, Cordell, but not without leaving, without the injury bug hitting the team extremely hard. Um, we saw season-ending injuries to J.K. Dobbins. Uh, we don't know how long Marcus Williams will be out with a pec injury, um, but apparently he will be out for quite some time. They don't think that is season-ending uh, season at this point. And, of course, day-to-day slash week-to-week with Tyler Lindenbaum as well as Ronnie Stanley. So let's start with J.K. Dobbins. Obviously, that's the biggest blow. J.K., we talked about him numerous times, think, thinking that he was going to have a phenomenal 2023 campaign, only for it to be short-lived. Um, this is the biggest blow to this Ravens offense in terms of lo- the longevity of the situation. But they do have options. The Ravens did promote Melvin Gordon from the practice squad. So it looks like right now it's going to be Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, Melvin Gordon. I've seen a lot of people talk about maybe them being in the running for Jonathan Taylor sweepstakes. What are your thoughts on that, Cordell? I mean, be great. <laughs> I mean, if they were to go. Do you think it'll happen, I think is my better question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's just not the route that I envision the Ravens taking. Uh, they're already trying to cut corners as it is. Jonathan Taylor yep. is looking for more money and he's looking to, you know, reset the market. Um, the Ravens aren't looking to do any of that right now. And we asked John Harbaugh that on Monday, you know, not, not specifically about Jonathan Taylor, but whether or not they felt like they would go outside the organization to get a running back. And he said he felt like they, they wouldn't, you know, he, he likes the guys that they have now. Granted, that's an Eric DaCosta question. John Harbaugh can say that, but ultimately um, Eric DaCosta is the one that's in, in charge of roster management. So if DaCosta feels as though, Maybe it's not Jonathan Taylor, but if DaCosta feels like the run th- that there's a running back that's better than what they have, including Melvin Gordon, then sure, you know, uh, he would do that. But I do think that they're going to kind of ride with what they have right now. I mean, they trust Justice Hill. They trust Gus Edwards. Um, Melvin Gordon is a vet. They're going to bring him from the practice squad. Keaton Mitchell still on his roster after four. He's He's out for the first four weeks. Not saying that he is going to be a part of their plans just he's another option if they need to see what somebody else looks like so I I think they're going to go with what they have and at the end of the day Lamar Jackson still allows you to have some sort of running game Um, so it'll be a fall off because that's just what happens when you lose your best running back I said this when JK was holding in you know I thought that the run game could still sustain and I still believe that but it will be a drop-off with Dobbins not on the field. I completely agree. I mean, obviously, he is a huge um, part of what they do in the run game, and he will be missed. But I do think that they are set up to have good replacements. I mean, Gus Edwards still is there. I am a fan of Justice Hill. 
Um, so I would like to see him get more time as well. And like you already made, mentioned, Keaton Mitchell obviously made the roster. Um, we loved what we saw from him in preseason. We won't see any action from him until week five. But, you know, ultimately, you know, Melvin Gordon, you hope, can be the first rounder that he used to be in terms of short-term replacement until Keaton Mitchell can find a way to get involved in this offense. Um, the next one is Marcus Williams, um, who is going to be out for quite some time. He missed last year starting early in the season um, due to an injury, and now we're starting that all over again. Uh, apparently, he has a pectoral injury, and they don't expect him to miss the entire season, but I do not know what that means. I mean, does that just mean that he might make the playoffs if they, if they advance, do they think he'll be back during the regular season? I just don't know. Yeah. Uh, that that's the big question. I mean, this is a guy that we missed what 10 games last year um, uh, due to that wrist injury that he had. And now in the second year, he's going to miss a lot of time uh, with this pec injury. And it's not ideal. Um, and look, he stayed out there after the injury. He, he he finished that series, and John Harbaugh said he made a couple of good plays. Um, but it's a big loss. It's a big loss. I mean, he's a big money free agent. You think about it on the financial side, how much of a loss it's been the last two years, but also just what type of loss it is on the field. I thought that Marcus Williams and Kyle Hamilton, that duo, could be just as good of a safety duo as – uh, Roquan and Patrick Queen are as a linebacker duo. So I, I that's, that's definitely a, a big time loss because you lose your center fielder. You lose a guy that has probably the best range on your team. Um, and Geno Stone can fill in admirably, but he's not going to give you the same impact that Marcus Williams will. Um, we'll see if Kyle, if they kind of play it the way they did last year and still have Kyle Hamilton being a lot of that hybrid guy, or if Kyle Hamilton would end up being the, the deep guy, because he's got the best. I, I think he now has the best range back there for their safety. They still have Daryl Worley. We'll see how much. Well, right now they can't even afford to move Brandon Stevens back to safety. Nope. He has to, he has to stay at corner. So, um, yeah, I yep. mean, it, it puts him in a tight spot. It's a, it's, it's a shame that every injury they sustain on Sunday were key injuries. Yeah. Um, but that's just the way it goes. It really is. And we heard, Eric, uh, you know, John Harper, Eric DaCosta mentioned that they have some outside options. Whatever that means, we'll find out if that is something that they explore. Um, but apparently, you know, they, they're working on how to fill those gaps until he comes. The ones that are less severe – um, are Lindenbaum and Ronnie Stanley week to week. Um, Lindenbaum, I believe, was an ankle injury, and Ronnie Stanley was a knee injury. Um, a, a lot of people were optimistic about Ronnie Stanley because you saw him um, celebrating with David Ajabo after his strip sack fumble on Sunday's game, so he looked fine. Um, Lindenbaum got rolled up, as we know, and uh, Coach Harbaugh said that they would be week to week. So. Um, I don't I don't want to be over optimistic because obviously those two are very important players to this offensive line who, by the way, struggled on Sunday. And I think that that's something that we can acknowledge. Um, that being said, I don't know what the combo that they're going to use, but we know that McCarry, Patrick McCarry can play center. 
Um, they might bring up Mustafa, who was on the practice squad as well. Um, but Daniel Fa'a'alele has done work. And I thought played pretty well when he was put in at left tackle last year. So while you miss those two guys, because they are very important guys to this football team, I do think that from a depth perspective here, they're not as bad off as, say, the safety position with Marcus Williams. Yeah, I mean, they definitely got some bodies that they can go to. Um, we saw Patrick McCarry go in at left tackle on Sunday when Ronnie went out, and I asked yeah. John Harbaugh on Monday if that was the plan going forward, and he said it would be. So McCarry will go to that left tackle, and okay. I would, and that would mean Sam Mustafer, like you said, will will be the guy as the as the center, and it's going to be a difference. Like like you also said, they they struggled on Sunday with the starters with them all out there. It, it's going to be a difference. Um, I'm curious to see how much of a difference because the offense really was not in rhythm at all for the most part of that game. And I think it started with the offensive line struggling. Um, Absolutely. So if that's going to be the case going forward and you also don't have your starting running back, uh, (laughs) we're assuming Mark Andrews will be out there Sunday, but we don't know, you know, we don't know. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it doesn't bode well for an offense that's now gone to Cincinnati to play a team that looked about as bad as they ever will this past Sunday. That's not – I don't think that's the Cincinnati team you're going to get back-to-back weeks. Um, so, yeah, it's, you it's don't not ideal. know, though, I want to interrupt you because, remember, the Bengals did start the season 0-3 last year. Mm-hmm. So, we don't know. And, and look. Their defensive line is good as well as what we saw last week in the Texans game. And it's very possible that we underestimated the Texans, particularly on defense, because we really don't know what they were going to do. They have a new head coach. They have some new players over there, particularly Will Anderson, who appears to be the real deal. So it's very possible that we just underestimated what this defensive line was going to do in addition to the Ravens not having preseason snaps, whether or not you believe that to be a thing, they didn't, right? Mm -hmm. And then they still, and they have a new piece at left guard with Simpson. So they didn't have like a lot of gelling that they were doing, you know, in preseason. So it was very possible that that was rust and that the fact that we underestimated the, the Texas, the Bengals, you know who they are. That's the one good thing is that you're familiar with their game. You know the key guys that they have. And, again, for me, I'm curious to know what that secondary is going to look like um, because they lost their two best players on the back end. I think the familiarity could potentially help this offensive line. But, again, that's just me. <laughs> maybe I'm grasping for straws here. Yeah. Or maybe the injury bug is, is maybe I'm overselling this a little bit. I just know that the Bengals have had slow starts in the past and you hope that that can continue for week two against the Ravens, particularly their defensive line against the Ravens. Oh, yeah. I line. mean, it definitely could. I, I would just say the same things that we're saying for like, like that you mentioned uh, about, the Ravens, really, you could say the same for the Bengals, like the rust and that. I mean, they scored yeah. 20 points. Like, I, I don't think that's what that's, you know, they look so Yeah, we're talking about this and the Ravens scored 25. Like, you well, know what I mean? You know like- what I'm <laughs> and, yeah, I, 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 I think I think both teams, both teams 
can look better than what they look like on Sunday. For sure. I guess is probably my point. I don't expect either team to look, you know, specifically the offenses to look as sloppy as they looked on Sunday. Now the Ravens and, and the Bengals, uh, you know, that offensive line is is still a question mark in, in itself, you know, and, and they got exposed last week. So, you know, I just, I just look at the Ravens right now and, and the injuries that are happening for them. Um, I just think it, it's it's just here we it's a little bit of the here we go again right because it, it always is that factor when it comes to them and injuries uh but it's the it's the fact that it's all it's kind of spread out it hits their backfield and it hits the most important position the two most important positions i would argue on the offensive line your left tackle and your center it, it's it's definitely concerning and marcus williams is a big blow as well just because the Ravens are big when it comes to turnovers yeah. and he's a guy that is a big part of that. He He's a big part of the turnover uh, margin that they like to win in. So um, I'm curious to see what happens if any moves are made uh, specifically on the, at the safety position, uh, because I think offensive line that they're, they're probably, especially considering their week to week, we'll see though, a knee sprain for Ronnie Stanley, you know, I, we'll see. We'll see with him. I agree. So Ravens hit with the injury bug. We'll see how this goes. They play week two against the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll see how they hold up. Sunday's game, Cordell, introduced Todd Munkin's offense to the, the Ravens fan base, the Ravens flock. And so while, yes, they mustered up clearly enough points to beat the Houston Texans, and they covered the spread, which was dependent on, you know, whoever you look, nine and a half, ten. Um, it, it, it was some struggle at some times. Um, so when you looked at Munkin's system in week one, uh, what did you see? What did you like? What did you not like? I, I, and I want to start here. Um, I saw a lot of people complaining about, um, the usage of Zay Flowers and to the, the point where maybe they felt like he was being force-fed the ball. And to that, I'd argue Zay Flowers was open and had a lot of single coverage at times um, and easily looked like one of their best offensive weapons. I have no problem with, uh, with an offensive coordinator saying, I'm going to keep feeding one of our best players the ball until a team stops them. And you know, Zay had a good day. So th- I- I'm sorry. I-, I know people weren't too happy about it. I love it. And I absolutely, I don't have a problem with it. If you can't stop the young man, keep giving him the ball. So that's where I stand. I'm good with Todd Monken in that regard. Didn't like sometimes he would do the same play back to back, like the plays in the flat mm-hmm. and like literally the exact same play. Yeah, you don't have to do that. But I have no problem with Zay Flowers getting the targets that he got on Sunday by any means. I just wanted to point that out. But from your perspective, when you watch this offense, yes, they were rusty as well. We, we talked about that already. Um, what did you see? Did you see anything promising um, moving forward for the season? What did you feel about Todd Monken's debut? Yeah, I mean, and I, I agree with you. I didn't feel like they were necessarily force-feeding Zay. I think that we just haven't seen the Ravens utilize a wide receiver in that way before. Um, we've seen it done with Mark Andrews, you know, maybe not in the same way, maybe not on just bubble screens and stuff like that, but we've seen Mark Andrews come out of a game with 10 plus targets. 
Um, so I think it was just different to see a wide receiver giving the ball that way. And it may look forced because they're getting the ball to Zay a couple of times just quick. Just they want to get it in his hands and see if he can make people miss, uh, which he is able to do. I yep. don't know if that's what it'll look like every week. I'm, right. I'm not I'm not sold that that's what it – I wanted to ask Harbs that on Monday, but he is so, you know, picky on when he wants to give out that type of information that I, I kind of, you know, want to see it for myself, give it a little bit of time just to see how it goes. But I, I, I don't believe that that's going to be the way it looks every week. As we've already said, the offense was never on time. It was never on time. And I think a lot of those quick passes to Zay was to help with the timing. I think that's what that was. I think it was to kind of stabilize uh, the offense a little bit. It's, it's, it's an extension of the run game. Um, and it's to get Lamar in a little bit of a rhythm, get the offense moving, hit the perimeter, see if you can make something shake. But I, I, I don't think that we honestly saw the real Todd Monk in offense just yet. It's tough when you're – quarterback is being pressured pretty much every other play and isn't even able to really go through his reads and some and it got to the point like <clears throat> like it does with any quarterback once they realize they don't have but so much time there they take their eyes start to drop quicker and you get to the point to where Lamar is now just in scramble mode and even on times where he may have a little bit of time he's just already in scramble mode because all game he's gotten pressured. So I just think we didn't really get to see the true Todd Monk in offense. Um, but I think that could be a good thing for them, you know, going into Cincinnati. Sure. You got to see a couple of the different looks that they have, but you didn't really see them execute anything on Sunday. I, I, I think if you're the Ravens, they feel pretty good about the fact that they barely scratched the surface um, on Sunday and still, one by double digits. Yeah, I mean, obviously, they're not going to pull out all the stops for the Texans. And again, maybe that was just them underestimating that defense because remember, D'Amico Ryans is their head coach now. So he's a defensive-minded coach. Um, And I thought that they played pretty well considering, right, Um, on that side of the ball, let me be clear. So I I definitely think that, you know, you weren't pulling out all the stops. This I don't want to call this a preseason game because obviously this game counts towards the record, but for for the Ravens, um, this was more like back in the day when you had four preseason games, this was like the third preseason game where you saw the starters play at least a half, right? Um, This really was just like them just trying to get the rust off, them just trying to get some things off. He didn't do a whole bunch of exotic things. Yes, he did a couple of exotic run plays, But I think that when you're used to Greg Roman's offense, I don't know exactly what that means, right? Um, And I don't think that uh, opposing teams knows what that means as of yet. He did add a couple of wrinkles in the run game. I just don't think that that we saw a ton. And I I think that they didn't feel like they had to because of the opponent in which they were playing in the Houston Texans. I do think that what happens next week will give you a little bit more of an idea of what Munkin wants to do offensively. Um, I do like the adjustments that he made. Obviously, the offensive line was struggling um, in the first half. So, you know, he brought in uh, Pat Ricard to to do some six-man blocking. He added some chips 
um, on the outside to the wide receivers as well as the tight ends. So he was helpful in that regard. Um, added some more um, options in the flat for Lamar and to make sure that that was available. Um, but also, I feel like, you know, the players also have to give take what's there. And by that, I mean, when you hear Houston Texans players saying that we knew Lamar was going to want to stay in the pocket and he basically played to our strengths. Lamar has to remember that. I, I get it. I understand. You want to be a, a known as a quarterback that can throw in the pocket. But you have achieved so much in your young career. You've already won an MVP. You've, you've already received a large um, amount of money because of who you are, because of your style of play. And I think it's important for him to still remember who he is in certain moments, right? And by that, I mean use his legs because there were lanes that was open. He just wasn't taking them. Mm -hmm. And it's okay for you to still do that. You you don't take, as Lamar Jackson, as the quarterback, you don't take bad hits when you're running. That's just not what you do. You've always been careful in that regard. So I, I think Lamar has to get back to that when, when things are breaking down. But I also think that Munkin has did a good job in making adjustments in the second half, something that I think a lot of people complained about in the previous offensive schemes. So I, I definitely think that this was just trying to work some kinks out because let's be clear, your opponent was lesser, okay? Mm -hmm. Wasn't a huge opponent. Wasn't like, you know, a, a, a monstrous game. Luckily for the Ravens, it was the Houston Texans who many people don't see winning more than four or five games this season. So it worked out in their favor. But I definitely think that we'll get more of an idea of what Munkin is, is planning to do moving forward, because obviously the schedule gets a little bit harder. And I would also say I saw people that were surprised that Isaiah likely wasn't featured more yeah. with Mark Andrews not there. To be honest, I was not surprised to see that. I, I honestly wasn't. I thought I knew Zay would end up having a bigger day. I didn't expect him to lead the team in targets or anything like that, but I knew some of those would go to Zay because he is the short short yardage guy. He a, yep. a lot of his routes as you saw short to intermediate. That's what I said. He's going to that's where he's going to eat uh, at the start of the year. But I thought Beckham would get a lot more opportunities than he ended up getting um so the, I, i'm more surprised with beckham not getting those targets um than i am likely i don't know what it is but i i haven't felt the same way about likely this year in camp the way that i did last year um so i don't and, and same for charlie kohler I, I don't i mean kohler who was really wasn't there last year in camp but i was excited to see him this year wasn't it, it didn't hit the way that I thought it would for either of them. So I honestly, we saw Kohler drop a pass in the easy game. Pass too. So easy I'm, first down. I'm just I really wasn't surprised that those guys weren't featured more. Hopefully for them they'll get Mark Andrews back and then look we're we're never going to see the dynamic of Andrews, OBJ, Bateman, Zay, and JK. That's just it's something that never happened. Right. It never will happen, not at least for 2023. But having Mark Andrews out there to, is you, we all can say is one of their best players, oh, not yeah. their best target um, will work wonders. So hopefully for them, he's available for the Bengals game. And I think that we'll see this offense open up a little bit, but I don't think that they'll abandon um, the run by any means. So it will definitely be interesting to see how they move forward 
in terms of their style of play uh, this season. One of the good things that we saw in the game against the Texans was the Ravens' defense. This is a defense that we were concerned about many coming into the season in terms of what they would do from a pass rush perspective and what they would do from a back-end perspective. Um, But in total, they had two turnovers in the game, and they produced five sacks. I'm about to say it. Y'all might be mad, but I got to be the person to put the logic out there. I'm sorry. We got to acknowledge that the Houston Texans offensive line is very bad. Like Laramie Tunzel is the only dude on that offensive mm-hmm. line that it was worth something. They they have, a, if I'm not mistaken, three guys that are like on IR or injured um, that did not play in Sunday's game. They looked if we talk about the Ravens offensive line, the Texans offensive line looked terrible. That being said, you play who you play. And it's nothing you can do about that. And I do believe that the Ravens defense absolutely stood up to the occasion and it looked good in terms of their pass rush protection. I mean, their pass rush and the way that they looked on the back end of the field. So when you watch that game, What did you feel about the Ravens' defense? Do you feel confident about what they were doing? Are you cautious because of the opponent in which they were playing? What's your take on that, Cordell? Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of both. I mean, it's it's the Texans, like you said. It's a poor O-line. It's a rookie quarterback. Um, It's not a lot of talent on the outside. They've got some some talent for sure, um, but it's not elite talent anywhere out there. Um, so you do got to take it with that. But again, it's an NFL team. Ravens went out there and they did what they were supposed to do. That's just what it is. You know, you want to see them uh, get the five sacks. They had the pressures. And I don't think I honestly don't think that the pass rush was a fluke. I, I, I don't. I think that it was spearheaded by the linebackers. And that's what it's going to be. Those linebackers yep. are there, and they're going to be there every week, no matter who the offensive line is. So I honestly don't think that's going to go anywhere. I think that this can still be a team that puts pressure on the quarterback, makes these guys uncomfortable. And Mike McDonald finds a way to scheme up these four-man rushes that are still getting to the quarterback. And he may blitz a guy here and there, uh, especially those two linebackers or Kyle Hamilton or something. We saw our Darius Washington come off the edge. He he keeps a quarterback on its to- on their toes. Um, and I, I, I just think the scheme allows that to travel from week to week despite the opponent. So I, I, I do kind of buy in to some of the things we saw. Now, that's not to say that they won't get exposed in the past game from time to time because the corner situation still is what it is. That's the thing that I probably don't necessarily buy the most. Ronald, Ronald Darby looked good and run support had a couple of nice tackles outside the numbers. Uh, but other, other than that, I mean, we saw a cut, we saw quite a few third down conversions in the past game in that game. Um, I I, I want to see what happens, especially this week going against yeah. Cincinnati. I, I do think that that secondary is still a concern to me, even now more than ever with Marcus Williams now added to the injury report. So um, I think the front guys, I buy that, but 
the back end, I, I think it'll it'll change a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And and look, I want to bring up something that you mentioned. The linebacking core of Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith was was playing at such an exceptional level to the point where allegedly Patrick Queen was uh, given a drug test after the yeah. game, um, <laughs> who he just received a drug test just days before. So the league was like, mm, let me check on this because he was playing a little too well mm-hmm. on Sunday. But credit to Patrick Queen for playing lights out. Um, and I definitely think that that is going to be a part of this pass rush, something that we really didn't have a lot of conversation about um, in the preseason and in training camp. But it's definitely something you can see that they do moving forward. Now, you hope that guys up front, they get the, the interior rush can, you know, make some moves continuously as well as the outside guys like Ajabo who played well away, played well as well. Um, was one of the top guys in terms of bringing pressures in week one and Clowney as well. So you hope that that's not something that they have to do regularly because they're going to need some coverage on the back end to help the DBs. But ultimately, the way that they scheme that play that up and just saying, look, we know that the Texans offensive line isn't good. We don't care. We're going to take full advantage of that and we're going to attack. And that's what you have to do. Don't give him a reason to sit back. Don't give him, don't let him think he's going to get comfortable. Make him know that we're coming at you on all cylinders. And that is something that is literally going to be important for the entire season is to not let these guys get comfortable back there and thinking that they have time. And whether it's a delayed blitz, you know, whether it's something that, you know, clearly that they're showing you at the line that that we're, that they're doing doesn't matter. Um, I love seeing the linebackers get involved in that. And I would have to assume that that is something that we're going to see a lot of moving forward because you have the flexibility of doing that. Um, I think Patrick Queen is a fine player. I, I, I am a fan of Patrick Queens. I think that many people looked at his first round status and said, well, why wasn't he productive as fast as you wanted him to be? And my argument to that is, is that everybody has their own time in which they develop. And I think that you really don't know a player until about year three, which in my opinion, even before Roquan came here, Patrick Queen was starting to show that he could be a guy that could rush the passer and he can hit the hole and get, and get to the quarterback. So I love McDonald using him um, the way that he has, and it'll just help them be better in terms of just being disruptive at, in terms of the quarterback situation moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I would say Patrick Queen is playing like a first rounder. I mean that that's what he plays like right yeah. now. Um, yep. And the dude is what 24 years old. I mean very young. It's, it, it, if he is gone after this year, it's gonna be a huge loss to, to the defense. I, I really want people um to understand that. But yeah, I you you feel good about the defense, uh, uh except the Marcus Williams injury and in, in the corner situation. Um, but Mike Mike McDonald's been really good against Cincinnati in his time in Baltimore. So if nothing else, you know, his game plan is going to be on point come Sunday. You know, the scheme is kind of, I don't want, I don't want to say bulletproof, but the the scheme travels. The scheme is there week to week. They may not win the game or, you know, they may have a bad day, but we usually is busted a coverage, you know, guys not doing their assignment, stuff like that. So it's great that Mike McDonald is there. Uh, but I do think they're going to feel the impact of some of these losses because they're starting to stack up now. I completely agree with that. So, you know, 
again, I don't want to downplay the opponent. I just think that it's fair to acknowledge the opponent. And I think that, you know, this team, this was a good game to knock some rust off. Unfortunately, it came with, you know, some injuries as well. But <clears throat> that's part of the game. It happens. Injuries happen. Um, and and we, as we saw around the league, it is something that, you know, a lot of teams were affected by. So uh, it will be interesting to see um, how they start to play against, look, Cincinnati is literally on Sunday, your first division opponent on Sunday. And we know that they play within the next four weeks, they play the uh, three teams in the AFC North mm -hmm. within the next four weeks. So they'll get tested. Very early. They're going to have to figure this out very early on offense. And I think they have to be consistent enough on defense to hang around. Because like you said, the Bengals aren't going to probably be what we saw um, in week one. They're definitely going to find a way to get better. And that was Joe Burrow's game literally first uh, back mm -hmm. since having his injury as well. So I think that that's something to acknowledge. But you have to like what you see, particularly from the defensive perspective. So um, it will be exciting to see how they find a way to manifest as the season goes on. On Thursday's episode, we will be previewing the Bengals game. I know we did a lot of talk about them, but that's because they're the next opponent. And we'll have a conversation about what it is that we expect from the Ravens to do from an offense and defense perspective. And we want to thank you all for listening. So from Cordell to me, this is Winning Drive. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company.